Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Today, all the way from California, I'll be speaking with Abby Rivas, who not only works in the cannabis industry, but in July, she became a cannabride. We'll be talking moms and brides and cannabis. Next, right here on The Cannamom Show, with me, your host, Joyce Gerber. Great. So I know you started your cannabis story. You didn't start in cannabis. You wanted to be a teacher. Is that right? I did. I went to school and got a credential in teaching. And I always thought I wanted to be in the classroom. And um, yeah, only until a few years in was I like, you know, creativeness was so much more fun or, you know, doing all these provocations with children was awesome. But I'm normally consuming a little bit of cannabis to be that creative or to get in the groove and the swing of things to start the day. Right. And I fully transitioned over to working in the cannabis industry about five years ago. And what do you, well, actually, let's get to your cannabis story and then we can talk about what you're doing because I think what you're doing is interesting, but we're going to save that till the end. Okay. Okay. So, um, so you did have a wedding where you included cannabis. Can you just talk yeah. about... Um, how your family reacted, how you found a spot to actually do this, how you set it up to sort of like, um, in case my guests are interested, the, the basic parameters of how this worked for you. And you're in California, so it might be a little bit different. Yes. So I'm based in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I always thought, my husband and I always thought we wanted to incorporate cannabis some way into the wedding. We weren't sure if we wanted it to be, you know, smoking or more of aesthetics and decor. Um, and it is I pretty. The- I have seen some of these, um, I've seen like centerpieces and different things that people are putting together. I think those are kind of pretty. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think they're lovely as well. And, you know, I went to the Canvas Wedding Expo. I wanted to get some ideas, saw, you know, all sorts of different stuff um, in terms of decor and, you know, bars and how to utilize kind of smoking areas, things like that. 
Um, we got married up in Sonoma County. We had an outdoor wedding. Um, and so I chatted with our coordinator and the site director for the venue and kind of let him know the circumstances and my reasons for wanting to incorporate cannabis into the wedding. And, you know, he was pretty, he was pretty open to it. Um, for me, I'm not a drinker. So for me to be the most comfortable at my wedding, I really wanted to be able to, you know, enjoy a toke and continue to vibe and dance with my friends and family. I think I think that's actually the best point you made, Trey, because I was thinking about this, that you want, you know, there's a lot of nerves heading into this big day. Mine was yep. almost, actually, my anniversary is Friday, so it's almost 27 years. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And the idea, well, I wasn't really a cannabis consumer then, but you want to be happy because there's so much stress. And this is like such a marvelous, magical day, and you just want to have that feeling. And the idea that you can incorporate it in um, without sneaking off to the bathroom is really um, revolutionary to me, really. <laughs> Thank you. It, that's what we were thinking, you know, and we were definitely... We had about 150 guests at the wedding. Um, we were definitely conscious that not everybody was a cannabis user, was even necessarily even cannabis friendly. But at the end of the day, it was our event. And, you know, both my husband and I wanted to feel comfortable, wanted to feel relaxed. And like you said, didn't want to feel like we were sneaking to, you know, a bathroom to hit a vape pen or something like that. Um so it was really nice. We set up um, a joint station and a little dab bar. Um, we had it next to, you know, our cigar bar and our tequila tasting flight. Um, and it was kind of the end of the night, you know, party area in a little redwood grove. Um, and it, it was set up in a way where people were able to see that there were joints there and canvas products, but it wasn't overwhelmingly in their face if they didn't want to either. Um, because again, we did want to make sure that of course we were comfortable, but that our guests were comfortable as well. Which is important because it is a social event. So when you are, um, when let's start from the beginning. So when you were planning it and you approached the, um, the owner of the, was it a, a, a winery? Where was it actually at a... Yeah, it was at a winery estate. It's called Vine Hill House in Sebastopol. And so when you spoke to the person who was the party organizer there, were they very open? Were they just a little open? Were they, this is a kind of scary idea? How did they, how did they react to your request? You know, it was actually pretty funny. They were a little bit like mouth drop. <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first time I asked, we were sitting around a table at our second meeting. We had already signed a contract kind of thing with them. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, was like, I'd really like to incorporate, you know, some cannabis if you're offering that we're able to incorporate, you know, cigars and other smokable products. Um, and, you know, in California, it's very legal. Um, you know, recreation's been around for almost two years, adult use. Um, and so we also made it clear to the party planner that we weren't going to have anybody underage. There wasn't going to be anybody under 21 at the event. Um, so in terms of, you know, safety and consumption laws and things like that, we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, above board. Um, so that was important to us in following those types of rules to make sure not to serve anybody and make sure they were comfortable and knowing they weren't serving anybody either. Um, and, yeah, they were, they basically were like, well, Abby, you know, 
why not? Let's give it a try. And um, initially the party guy was a little bit concerned that everybody was going to be, you know, just glazed and dazed. Um, but but that's not the, the truth day about after, cannabis. Yes. <laughs> right? You know, because he hadn't been around it in that, in that setting or, mm-hmm. you know, to experience it in an elevated way, you could say either. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Sunday, the day after the wedding, he was like, you know, Abby, you were right. Like, this was awesome. And people were really happy and enjoyed it. So, so did, did, you have think, to, did you have to go through any, um, you know, sometimes when you have a liquor license, you have to get a police out front or uh, different parties. Were there any special regulations or any rules that you had to comply with to do this? That's a great question. So in California, if you do have, you know, parties and things like that, um, if they're open to the public, you do need to have permits and stuff. When it's a private event at a private venue, um, that's, that's a little bit different. So you are fine. And um, and were there a requirement for some sort of, I know if you're, if you're having a bar or if you're a caterer, you have to have a liquor license. Are there specific ways to have cannabis incorporated into a social event that way? Um, um, there are if it's open to like a larger setting for okay. sure, but in terms of like a private event, like a wedding, um, no, because we were the ones that were passing it. It's basically like an adult gift to somebody, mm-hmm. um, so nobody's paying for anything like that. Um, it's just a gifting kind of process. Oh, that's so like so like if you had a pay bar, that would be different than having. If it was like a pay cannabis bar, it would be different than having, you know, an open cannabis bar. Is that? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you're able to gift product and gift cannabis to anybody that's over 21 years old. Um, So for this, you know, nobody was paying for the product or anything like that. It was purely, you know, out there as a gift for all of our, all of our uh, family and friends. So when you're, okay, so when you actually, when you have, uh, the minutia. So when you put out the invitation, were people aware that this was going to be a cannabis-friendly event? Um, they were, just knowing the couple okay. in that sense. <laughs> okay. Um, so, again, this comes up a lot. You know, you, you're in a cannabis-friendly environment, but maybe the people you're bringing into it, your in-laws or cousins or your old aunts, are a little bit uncomfortable with this. So how did you work yeah. with those people who came into the event? Of course, all weddings are happy and joyful and you want everyone to feel together. What was the specialness or how did you work with the people you knew might not be as comfortable in this environment? That's a great question. You know, we really wanted to make sure because, yes, a lot of our family hadn't necessarily seen us all consume before or, you know, hadn't, um, doesn't necessarily consume themselves. So, for us, we wanted to make sure that, one, we weren't blowing, you know, a bunch of smoke. So it was definitely an isolated area that we were doing the consumption in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, two, it was a way to normalize it. You know, um, we're a year and a half into adult use cannabis in California. I've been working in the cannabis industry almost a decade. And, you know, majority of our friends and family know that. Um, but, you know, incorporating it was for us kind of trying to destigmatize the plan and to make it more socially acceptable. And I truly think that cannabis kind of enhances my experiences in so many different aspects of my life. And so to be able to share that with people in a fun party setting was awesome. We also did only CBD joins. Yeah, because... I was going to ask you about that. So you did a, you intentionally chose your strain and you chose a strain that was all, only CBD or high CBD? It was a high CBD strain, and my thought was, you know, 
we hear the terms indica sativa hybrid all the time. Um, but, you know, as a cannabis professional, I'm very cognizant of the fact that it works with everybody's bodies very differently. So I wanted to make sure that the CBD was available so that people could feel like they were having a vibe. Yes. Because CBD definitely does relax and elevate and make you a little bit more euphoric, um, but not like overly stony baloney. Um, because I did not want somebody, you know, to come in being a proponent and then leave as an opponent for the plant. That wasn't the purpose. Good plan. <laughs> so did you? So again, um, I just having this discussion with my director. I'm not an edible person. I know this is, you know, people love edibles. And um, was that a, was that a decision you made? Had you talked about maybe having infused foods at the wedding? You know, I opted not to do infused food, although I love edibles. Okay. I definitely wear that it kind of like hits everybody's body a little bit differently. And because, you know, we wanted it to just be kind of ebb and flow, we wouldn't want someone to accidentally, you know, consume if they didn't want to. So it was very blatant. You know, the, this is a jar of joints. This is some dab. Um, and this is cigar and this tequila kind of thing we wanted it to be very um transparent in that way that's interesting so i also i was at it um so again this is boston cannabis week which is i've been at a couple of events and on monday evening i was at this great panel and one of the questions was i'm going to start asking all my guests i'm going to start with you um they went down the row and they asked everyone on the panels what is their favorite means of consumption and it was so interesting that each and every person had a different way of consuming, their different um, preferred method. All these people in the industry and so many choices. So is that something you took into consideration? What is your favorite method? And were you going to include that in your wedding? Yeah, I love that question as well. That's a fabulous one. I think my preferred method of consumption is definitely flour of any type. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to make sure that somebody could enjoy a nice, you know, fatty pre-roll um, and, you know, feel like, you know, we were sharing that experience. So for me, I love to smoke, a, you know, a hand-rolled, nice, big, fat pre-roll of, Preferably a deep indica strain. Right, and, <laughs> you, and, and you know your strains, but we're going to go into it in a minute. So that's so that. <laughs> was that anything you? Ta is that something that came up in conversation? Did you hear sort of like um, talk around the cannabis station where people chit chatting and opening up to what their experience is or what they prefer or how they consume? Um, I, you know, the wedding is such a the whole day a, for me was such a blur. But for me, I just vividly remember one moment standing outside that consumption area and just looking at everybody's faces and everybody being so happy. And Aww. you know, my husband and I seeing you know people that we never thought would have consumed or potentially do consume, but weren't comfortable, you know, sharing that with their family in any other setting besides this because it was acceptable in this setting and that's how we wanted people to feel you know to to try as they please and to enjoy and to mingle and you know really just have a good time um and yeah i think that people really enjoyed the area those were some of like the best pictures of the night and like the haziest of pictures as well <laughs> that must and, be true so can you so I, I know you said that your mom um, she was cool with this, and she would have been on my show if she could have been around. But uh, you said I know. Yeah, which I, I'm still going to do it. Maybe in the future, we'll have her call in. Um, but you said your in-laws were a little bit um, less um, invested in this world. So what was their reaction when they showed up? Yeah, um, you know, 
his, his my in-laws, they know that I smoke. They know that we smoke. They know I work in the cannabis industry, but I don't necessarily think that it hit them until they were at the wedding. And it wasn't something that we advertised, like you kind of asked. It wasn't something that we, you know, spoke about, kind of like you don't necessarily tell people there's going to be a photo booth, you know? It mm-hmm. was just kind of, you know, this is another activity and, exactly. you know, something at the wedding. So when they saw it, I definitely think that his mom, his eye, her eyes were open, you know, and she was aware and she could smell the smoke. Mm-hmm. But I think she saw how happy people were, and I think she also you know, was able to see that, you know, you're able to be a functional stoner or a functional high. You can be productive. You can have conversation just as you can when you, you know, are sharing a cocktail or a glass of wine. And so I think because, you know, it went so smoothly as well, she was, you know, that much happier about it. Um, And, you know, I think it was cool because, her siblings were were token and they were enjoying and her her nieces and nephews were and so I think it also was a wow this is something that's you know used in the mainstream this is becoming more normalized and you know this is just eye opening so when you were um I'm sorry I'm, I'm having a little static sorry <laughs> I'm, having a mo- I'm having a moment here um so actually the word stoner can we go back to that so the other day yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I always say I wear pearls, I play tennis, I do not look like the person who's going to be talking about this, and I was having a conversation with my niece, who's in nursing school, actually, about the endocannabinoid system, which she hasn't even learned about yet, which I think is sad, and then, you know, the conversation kind of went on, and then later she mentioned to her mom, she's like, wow, Auntie Joyce is such a stoner, I'm like, a stoner? I'm like, the least stoner person you've ever met, so I just, I don't like that word, I don't like the implications of it, I don't know, how do you feel about it? You know, I think that it does have very negative connotations to it. And I think that, you know, when you think of a stoner, you think of, you know, uh, like the movies and, you know, Pineapple Express and Chi Chi Chong. Although I got to say, they look awesome. Those guys have been smoking. Willie Nelson, those people have been smoking for 70 years. They look fabulous. Right? I know. I love some Willie. And Willie Nelson actually has a brand out here in California called Willie's Reserve, which is pretty fabulous. He does some flour now. Okay. And, yeah, I think that, you know, it depends how you're utilizing it. I think with any word, you can kind of, you know, put it in a derogatory connotation. Or you could use it, you know, saying like, hey, I'm a productive stoner. I'm a productive human in society. And I try to personify like the opposite, the adverse to show that, you know, this is what you think of the culture, then exactly like I'm a, I'm a pearl wearing, yeah. you know, collegiate, <laughs> um, you know, you know, person that, that, you know, is working. I'm not sitting yeah. at home and couch locked all day. And so I think that it's just a fun slang word. I, I guess um, it's one of those words you can but... own or not own, but yeah, I've, I've sort of heard it, you know, kind of bantered about and I, my, you know, my impression is Chi Chi Chong, you're sitting on the couch eating a bag of Doritos and you can't do anything, which is not the experience I've had with any, especially the amazing women I've been interviewing and talking to, you know, for the past couple of months. They're so productive and they're so useful. And even this whole idea, I was at, um, I was at a professional, um, an attorney and I was at a uh, attorney meeting last week about cannabis and there's still a lot of negativity in this world and, yep. the, and the misunderstanding of how it works with your body. And I was having a disagreement with an, you know, sort of an old school attorney who was talking about testing and 
how we have to know if it's in their body and how pilots can't use this and I don't know he's going on and on and on and I just lost it I'm like you're telling me that a pilot can never drink like you have no understanding of how this <laughs> actually works in a human's body like it's it's frustrating that you know and they're making the rules and they're defending the cases and you know this it there, this like I keep saying these normalized stories have to keep coming out so people understand it's just it's always been in our society, right? It's always been in our culture. This is yep. a weird anomaly in history. And the, and the demonization is, is wrong. Yep. Yeah. So. I definitely I definitely agree. My husband's family, he's from Mexico. And so, you know, to see some of those uncles and aunts who were consuming, who, you know, their families used to grow this down in, you know, their village down exactly. in Mexico. And, you know, it's, it's a plant, it's an herb, that, that endocannabinoid system, like you said, like we don't have alcohol molecules in our system, so how can we make that same analogy as this is a bad and we need to demonize this? So when I do hear, you know, words like stoner or, you know, other maybe not as, you know, light words mm-hmm. without any connotation, I just try to, you know, personify the opposite and, you know, say like, hey, I'm a Silicon Valley kid who is, you know, making a great career in cannabis and it's something to be proud of, um, not to, you know, not to undermine. No, I agree. Oh, that's great. That's personify, personify the opposite. I'm going <laughs> to, that might be the title of your show. Oh. <laughs> All right. So we've, we've talked a bit about your wedding. We've talked about your um, your mom and your in-laws, but you do already, you work in this industry, right? I do. So do you want to give a little plug or talk about what you do and um, how your cannabis kind of worlds are kind of colliding here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I currently am a distributor. Um, I've done all sorts of different things within, in the industry from working on grows to inside dispensaries, to delivery services, and now I've found a home um, doing sales the last few years. Um, I work for a company called Henry's Original. It's a Mendocino-based brand. Um, we cultivate all of our heirloom cannabis strains up in Mendocino, specifically in Laytonville in the Emerald Triangle. Can you, and, actually, can you describe, uh, I, was trying to, I mentioned the heirloom to someone and I couldn't actually define what it is. So can you explain what an heirloom plant would be? Yeah, an heirloom strain would basically be, you know, something similar to the analogy of like a, a red, red tomato in the grocery store versus that beautiful plump heirloom tomato with different colors. Heirloom meaning to us is that we haven't modified or changed or crossed these seeds. We're producing strains and cultivating strains that have been cultivated for, you know, 30, almost 40 years within the Appalachian, things like Acapulco Gold and Afghani strains. Um, we're cultivating everything from seed. So for us, it's really important to keep that, that heirloom, that, you know, culture alive um, and to continue to produce some of those, those strains. So you're taking like, so I do know the names are starting to sound familiar to me, although they all still seem made up. <laughs> But you're, so you're you're taking the real seed and you're not crossbreeding them and making something new. You're trying to keep the strain that existed for the past thirty or forty years as it is. Exactly. Okay, that's interesting because I do I do I, this is a big area I don't know much about it cultivation, well the science. I always say I'm a generalist, 
but the, the, the cultivation I like part. to say I'm not the mad scientist either that does all the crossing and the phenoing and things like that. But, yeah. yeah, you will see a lot of, you know, strains that right now are being produced and cultivated for potency or for specific effects and things like that. And, you know, for us, we're trying to keep the old school cannabis culture and, you know, keeping those old strains alive because they'd worked for so long. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like when you think of orange juice from Florida Mm -hmm. and you think of cannabis and pot from Mendocino in California. That's great. So, um, are you, is this medicinal? Is this only recreational? What's your product? Our product is both. It's both. Okay. Um, yes. And are you doing any work? So I've been talking to more green nurses lately about, I mean, this is the other thing I find amazing about this world is that so many stories are uh, something happened, they got sick, they went under the medications of their doctors recommended till they got to the point where they're taking something very toxic, they discovered CBD or cannabis on their own, used their own body as, you know, a guinea pig, and then kind of figured out a formulation that worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you doing any work with individuals or people who need specific terpenes or strains or things for a specific illness or an issue they're dealing with? Do you work on that level? You know, I'm not currently working at that level, but in California, there are so many organizations, including Henry's, that does have, you know, compassion programs, things like that for, you know, people that are truly here for the medicine. Um, You know, it's not an adult use recreational product for them. And so, yes, we are cultivating some really high CBD strains um, that, you know, are extremely high ratios, close to like a 30 to 1, 20 to 1 um, in whole flower form um, and providing that to people and just continuing to put out, you know, medicinal style products like I said not cultivating stuff for extremely high THC and letting you know the full spectrum full sun kind of enhance the terpene profile um in California too there's labeling regulations on what you have to put on all jars so we do put terpene profiles predominant terpenes as well as THC on there um so we try to give as much information to the customer base as possible and our product is also clean green certified so we can't call any cannabis product organic because the FDA regulates so doesn't regulate rather cannabis products so clean green um, is as close to that as possible we have a third-party agency coming out they check our water table our soil content our air output and input at least four times a year to confirm that you know our product is as clean as possible so for somebody that is also on a medicinal path um, you can feel conscious and confident that it's as close to organic as possible when you are combusting that through your lungs that's actually good to hear so i've actually heard so i talked to a lot of cannabis mamas this is sort of mm-hmm. how the show started and talking about pregnancy and children and the kind of products pe- women are using and they need you know when they're pregnant um, if they're consuming because of whatever each of their need for the anxiety or the nausea and they want to make sure it's as clean and obviously clean and green as possible and they don't want it from someone who's putting pesticides you know if they're going to be consuming something that is supposed to be um, working with their body they want to make sure that the things that are going into their body are right especially when they're pregnant I know it's a little controversial for some people but these women are so interesting to speak with because it's always been used for pregnant women until we abandoned you know until we said we couldn't 
Um, so it's important that we have good products for people who are, you know, sensitive. I mean, everyone should have be good products, but, you know, the importance of someone who's going to be consuming this for reasons and need to know where it's coming from. Of course. Yeah. And I always like, you know, if you're going to go to the grocery and pick up a, you know, organic apple, why wouldn't you think about that? Or an organic fruit and vegetable, like, why wouldn't you think about, about that pot that you're going to, that cannabis product that you're going to then either combust or vape or, you know, put onto your skin, something like that. So I think we, you know, hopefully that'll be, you know, more mainstream right now. We're one of maybe five large organizations within California that goes through that process. So we do think that it's really important. Yeah, no, it is. All right. So I think I have a little bit more time. <clears throat> I just, we were, t- we were talking before, and I was trying to get the setup. We were talking a little bit about how it looks a l- different on the West Coast, really about how the states that are connected on the West Coast have some interstate commerce now. The laws are looking different. What do you see? I mean, you probably see the world so differently than we do. Like I know Israel is basically a generation ahead of us. Massachusetts, we're very puritanical, and the fact that we're a rec um, state is a person who's lived her whole life is really surprising, but I'm happy it's us. Um, but the <laughs> West Coast, you know, you're a whole different breed. So what do you see as the future out there? You know, I see California, Washington, Oregon, Colorado kind of almost hitting like a capacity for where we can go right now without you know, further assistance from federal legalization. Um, I think that over the last two years, we've seen an insane growth in, you know, the industry in terms of how many dispensaries there are within the state, as well as how many people are shopping within the dispensaries. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, you're also still seeing, unfortunately, a pretty large black market due to, you know, like how expensive the product is at the dispensary and taxation around it. So, I really hope and, you know, fingers crossed that within the next, you know, handful of years, um, federal legalization is going to happen just because, you know, there's so much money that's being generated from this industry and, you know, nowhere to bank it. So banking, um, it's absurd. I actually had a a sort of a a minutiae question. So out here in Massachusetts, uh, one of the big issues we're having is that, you know, our state Cannabis Commission is pretty good about the streamlining, the licensing process. It's clear cut. It's equitable to people. But when it gets, because we've given local rule, every municipality is doing something different. And to me, honestly, it feels like they're just extorting people who want to come into this business with the taxes and the fees and the expectations that they help the softball team or build a pool or whatever. You know, we just had a, uh, the mayor from Fall River, a small city out here. Um, mm-hmm. Federal prosecutors came down because basically he was, you know, the Cannabis Commission, um, Shailene Title, the commissioner, has been running around telling people these host agreements are bad, no one's listening, wasn't talking to the federal agents because was a word, you know, a little concerned about it, and they're the people who actually came down on him. <laughs> so are you, wow. are you having issues out there with municipalities treating this differently? How is the actual process different? Do you, do you have host agreements in California? Is that even a thing? You know, I am not at a compliance level within my organization, but I do think and know that, yes, there is extreme confusion between municipalities. You know, if if a city itself has a moratorium, meaning you're not allowed to, you know, deliver, put a dispensary within the city, you know, can somebody that live in that city get a delivery to their house? Well, the state of California says that legally they can, but that city may not want that delivery driver passing through. So at what point, yeah, what 
city, state, municipality, you know, trumps one another. And Mm -hmm. who are we really going to be following? I think in California, the BCC, which is the Bureau of Cannabis Control, has done a a pretty good job at listening to, you know, the people in the industry and the customer base and the patient base. Um, But, you know, I definitely think that there's so much more revision that could be done. Um, We've come a long way in two years. Um, They've listened to us over, you know, what's worked and what hasn't so far. Um, But I definitely see us as a guinea pig um, for sure or as like a test for the rest of the country. Well, we're moving along. We're pioneers, right? Is that our job? Yes, ma'am. I think so. And it's pretty cool. Hey, it's an extremely exciting time to be alive. Just like you said, you know, you never thought Massachusetts would go adult use, you know, recreational. It's it's crazy to think that, you know, growing up, I was going to art and wine festivals with my parents. And I hope that when I have children, I'll be taking them to cannabis and and art events um and that will be the new normal that'll be great yeah well um i I was talking to a woman in brooklyn the other day and she was talking about how you know this is important these stories we're telling this is chronicling what's happening you know uh we're living in a a, an anomaly in history people have always used this we're bringing it back we're bringing it back in an interesting way there are a lot of you know my thing is bringing women into this industry this is a female plant it's a caring plant and that we need to have leadership roles and make sure that we're directing these stories so that things um, are normalized so we can just, it's making it boring. That's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like another part of, it's like a shoe store. It's just another thing that exists in our world, right? <laughs> hey, you know, I think that would be, if it gets that boring, <laughs> I would be really, really impressed. And I think we've come a long way as a society and I can't wait to see it that way. And I can't agree with you more on all of those points. It's a really exciting time. I'm really, you know, blessed to be a part of this and to be in this community and have a great, you know, community around me. Um, and my organization as well, pretty female forward. This is the first company that I've worked for in the cannabis space that 95% of the executives are women. Um, really? And that's really that's exciting. Awesome. That's really exciting. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, I actually <laughs> think we're a little bit, are we close? I think we're almost, we're out of time. Oh, this is fast. Um, so, Abby, this was great. Um, again, you are my can of bride. We sort of got off topic, but <laughs> there's a cannabis. No. There's a cannabis wedding I hope expo. that people enjoy and can incorporate cannabis into their weddings. I hope this was a little bit of, you know, some insight and would spark their creativity for how to incorporate it. You don't have to do a joint bar if you don't want to. And, you know, there's so many cool little details. So if you're able to definitely check out that cannabis wedding expo, it's really well curated um, and just fun to look as well. Awesome. That's great. All right, Abby. So (laughs) another great hour or half hour, I guess. Um, So Abby Rivas from the West Coast. Do you want to, the plug is for uh, Henry's Original? Henry's Original. Henry's Original. Any other um, Canterbride bits of wisdom you want to share? You know, it's your day. So if cannabis is a part of your life, then why not feel confident in incorporating it in a small or a big gesture for the day? And, you know, you just want to feel happy and, yeah, comfortable. So I wish everybody the best of luck and cheers. The show is produced and distributed by Pro Cannabis Media.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.